Tonight on Huckabee, Georgia Congressman Rich McCormick, director and actor Brett Barbell, the unique wit of Cyrus Steele, a special tribute by our own Music City Connection. That's Trey Corley of the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Bilbrey. And now, here's Mike Huckabee! Thank you very much. We've got a great audience here. We're so happy to have you join us as well. I start tonight with something a little bit uh, maybe more sobering. Look, the whole nation was shaken by the cold-blooded murder of three children and three adult school officials at the Covenant Presbyterian Church School in Nashville. Now, because the shooting hit so close to home for us here in Nashville where we tape our show, We just can't ignore how it touched us. I don't know any of the victims personally, but Cindy Peake, the substitute teacher, the one who was killed, is the sister-in-law of a friend of mine with whom I've turkey hunted several times. And it turned out that she was also one of the closest friends of the First Lady of Tennessee, Maria Lee. In fact, they were supposed to have dinner together the very night she was murdered. I never give the name of a mass murderer in any of my media outlets. I just don't. Because I have no desire to make a cold-blooded killer famous or to turn such a fiend into a celebrity. There was nothing but demonic derangement involved in this heinous crime. The names of the victims should be remembered. And we should especially remember Officer Rex Engelberg and Officer Michael Colazzo, the courageous Metro Nashville police officers. These two heroes rushed toward the gunfire, and they did it without shields, protective headgear, or tactical suits, and they took down the killer, which ended the rampage. They are true heroes. They acted without regard to risk to themselves And they understood that the children in that school had no protection from the killer. Unlike the school shootings in Florida or Uvalde, Texas, where police officers waited until it was safe for themselves, these Nashville officers hurried toward the danger to stop the carnage. The killer was transgender, a biological female who had decided to identify as a male. But by the writings that she left behind, She was a very disturbed, angry, and bitter person who decided to take her vengeance out on three nine-year-old children attending a Christian school, the headmaster of the school, the school custodian, and a substitute teacher, all of whom died trying to protect those children. Despite attempts by radical leftists, transgender activists, and their stooges in the media, the killer was not some kind of victim Her mass murders were not justified because some more rational people than her happened to work on some laws that protected children from being chemically castrated or surgically mutilated when they were too young to even understand what their actions would do. 
her gunning down innocent people was not the fault of sane parents and legislators who think it unseemly that young girls would be expected to undress and shower with boys who are just pretending to be girls. The person who got the weapons, who wrote a detailed manifesto, and who killed out of rage and hate and mental illness and or a demonic spirit is the only one at fault, the only one. She put on full display the depravity of people who reject the ultimate teaching of Jesus to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Our hearts ache for the victims and their families. Our spirits are filled with gratitude for those courageous cops who literally stood between a psychopathic killer and helpless children and who put their lives in harm's way to protect the students and their teachers from being victims. And we have nothing but disgust and contempt for the politicians and the media morons who use the horrific shootings to push their failed political agenda or worse, who even talked more about preferences for ice cream and joked about who was actually being targeted than to display genuine grief for the victims and their families. Everyone has an opinion about how to prevent these awful moments. For some, it's just banning what some politicians called assault weapons, even though most of those politicians don't even know what that means. For others, it involves more focus on mental health treatment and institutional placement for dangerous people. Let's be honest, none of us have all the answers. But the real answer is probably better understood by what is in our hearts rather than what is in our hands. I saw a statement this week that best summed it up. A rock in bad hands killed Abel. A rock in good hands killed Goliath. It's not about the rock. That is so very true. But the real hope of all is the rock of ages. Well, this was also a very busy week in Washington. House Republicans demanded answers from President Joe Biden on his family's potential links to Chinese enterprises set to benefit the government's bailout of the failed Silicon Valley Bank. Georgia Congressman Rich McCormick and 19 of his colleagues say that the American people deserve to know if shady business deals with communist China have influenced Joe Biden's decisions and policymaking. Would you please welcome to the show, from the state of Georgia, Congressman Rich McCormick. Well, Congressman, it's been a pretty busy week, I think, in Washington. I'm going to get to the, I guess, the big story of the week that's coming out of uh, the political world. Former president has been... uh, apparently indicted, is going to have to go to New York to be processed. I'm wondering, did the Democrats have any idea how that is being received across the country by most rational people who just look at this and say, boy, this is just weaponization of this justice system? Well, especially when this has been vetted twice before already, been found to have no basis or merit. 
the fact that somebody's using this to launch their political career to the next echelon. And uh, I think most people who are moderates or, or independents will see right through this. The people who want to see him prosecute, of course, will cheer them on, and it will end up in just wasting more taxpayer money and wasting more time. And I, and I think for many people, the tragedy is he has been relentlessly pursued. This was a prosecutor who said in his election bid, I'm going to go after Donald Trump. When did a prosecutor first name targets before he even got elected and before he even had discovered a crime? That, that's unprecedented. Well, again, it's been vetted already. Uh, this, is, this is a dead end. Uh, I think the ironic part is it's going to launch Trump into the, the next evolution of his candidacy. I think he's going to be more popular than ever. I, I think you're probably right. What level of concern do you have that we may have a compromised president? Well, we've known he's compromised for quite some time. We've seen him actually openly admit to tampering with cases that include his son. Yeah. Uh, we've seen what his son has done overseas. We've, I, I can't believe that's still dead-ended and it hasn't really come to the next level of prosecution. Uh, when you have so much evidence, yeah. uh, it shows the corruption. But right now, the Oversight Committee has found that there's links to over $1.3 million that was deposited from a Chinese-linked uh, company into at least four accounts of the Bidens, including uh, two, uh, three children, as well as an unnamed Biden, which may be the president himself. So we have real questions on whether he's been influenced, uh, whether that had to do with the reimbursements from the, the bank, and, uh, and what the next steps are going to be from here is only going to be through the investigation process. It's very troubling to me, Congressman, that uh, Joe Biden said openly on the debate stage, and he's said since, he had no idea of anything his son was doing, had no connection, never talked to his son, never talked to his son about business deals. I'm not sure there's anybody who believes that. I don't think he believes it. Uh, I, I think if you look at the evidence, the overwhelming evidence yeah. that he's been named in conversations, uh, if they did an honest investigation, this would be uh, the biggest story ever. Imagine if the tables were turned, it was Trump. They had yeah. the same allegations. The news, the news cyclist would be endless. If Trump had done what apparently Biden has done in these deals with the Communist Chinese Party while he was in office, quite frankly, I'd probably be saying, yeah, he needs to be investigated and perhaps indicted for this stuff that they've got I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding. People are getting their heads banged to death in New York City, and this prosecutor is going after Donald Trump for something that has already gone beyond the statute of limitations. I'm not sure how he even takes this case to court without getting laughed out of a courtroom, except that it's in New York. Uh, imagine the impeachment process that they spent so much money and time on that came to nothing, and, and that was far less than anything they have on Biden already. You know, I find you one of the most fascinating members of Congress because I look at your background, I'm thinking, this got to be 70 years old. <laughs> you flew helicopters in the Marine Corps for 20 years. Was, you were airborne. Yeah, give him a hand. Served this country for 20 years flying helicopters in the Marine Corps. You went to med school, became an emergency room physician, went back into the military, and then served in Afghanistan and other foreign theaters of war, uh, patching up our military people, many of whom that you had served with, maybe not specifically, but the very folks that you had once served, then you end up running for Congress, for heaven's sakes. I mean, you're truly the Renaissance man. I don't know how you <laughs> packed all that into your life. Well, don't, don't forget the seven kids. Not that it's seven kids, yeah. That may be the biggest accomplishment of all. Yeah. My wife, is, my wife is the saint. She's an oncologist, and she's witnessed two miracles. 
uh, her faith in, in God uh, truly is above medicine. Hmm. Uh, we all have a faith that's that's much higher in, in the, the greater powers than government. Hmm. Uh, I will say that um, she's always been the academically gifted one. She's always been uh, summa cum laude. I've always been thank the good laude. <laughs> and uh, and her, <laughs> to, to be honest, we're, we're a mixed family. We got married. I've known her for seven years before we ever got married. She was a single parent, as was I. Yeah. I had been going through medical school uh, as a father of uh, two, three, and five-year-old uh, kids at a minority medical school. And uh, my senior year, I was elected student body president based on relationships. But mm. by the way, if, if we want to talk about what affects the future of politics yeah. uh, and, and where we should be going in this country, uh, and by the way, this directly correlates with our faith. Mm. If you're trying to win an argument, you're never going to do that on the internet. But yeah. if you're trying to develop a relationship and win a friend, you will affect change in this world. And I think that's what we've learned between my wife and I and our children and all our experiences in politics. I think that's a beautiful assessment of how life is supposed to work. Build relationships with people rather than just try to hammer people down in an argument. Your wife's a very accomplished oncologist. So you've got two medical doctors in the family, which you may need if you have six or seven kids. Because somebody's always got something going on, sure, right? <laughs> we, we, now, this is, don't judge me. Uh, but we used to play rugby on the trampoline. Um, it's true. That's when like two medical, very dangerous things, and you've mixed them together. When I was in medical school, oh. and I have literally sutured my sons on a bed with my own needle and thread. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a questionable father. But. Now I get it why you went into emergency medicine <laughs> with kids, and you're taking them out to do trampoline Rugby, uh, yeah, you're not so remarkable after all. I think you're nuts. I really do. But we're going to continue our conversation with Congressman Rich McCormick right after the break, so stick around. We'll be right back. Still to come, New York Post columnist Carol Markowitz talks about her new book. Also, Emmy Award-winning director, writer, and actor Brett Varvel is here. All still to come on Huckabee. MikeHuckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter and follow at GovMikeHuckabee on Twitter. And welcome back, everybody. During the break, the congressman and I were talking about uh, the fact that, you know, this whole idea, I was giving him a bad time about putting his kids on a trampoline and playing rugby. But the truth is, you're teaching your boys how to live life and to, to realize there's some tough moments, tough breaks. That's important, isn't it? It's super important. You know, one of the uh, things I've noticed as an ER doc, uh, well, two things. First of all, I'll tell you, any, anybody who's been in the ER business has seen some horrible things. You can get PTSD from watching children die in front of you. I mean, yeah. it's a harsh reality of life. Um, but if you stop, living, if you start to shelter your children, if you don't allow them to be who they need to be, they'll never experience life the same way that they're supposed to. What made America great is forging away. The average entrepreneur fails multiple times before they're successful. We, we explored the West by taking our families and possibly starving, possibly being attacked, possibly freezing, but yet we formed this great nation off of those chances. And we've kind of emasculated our children now, and instead we've become very self-focused and as an ER doctor, the one thing in common I found with about a third of my patients have either anxiety, 
depression, suicidality, alcohol, or drug use. Wow. And the one thing in common with all those things is those people are usually focused right here. And I believe as, as God created us uh, to be focused on other people, we'll be our happiest in your, in, if you're in service of other people and you'll be very depressed right here. And this society has done that to us, said you should be focused. How many selfies, how many friends on Facebook, what have you done to look pretty hmm. instead of what have you done for others, which is that would give you your, your real joy. I saw a meme not long ago. It was a picture of the old fashioned monkey bars that I grew up with and Keith did. And it said underneath, it said, when I was five, I fell off some of these and died, and my mother told me to walk it off. <laughs> exactly. And I thought, we really did kind of grow up like that. Uh, Maybe the Marines is what helped give you some of that perspective. I, I tell you, the, the Marine Corps, you notice when you're driving down the road, you see on the back of people's cars a lot of Marine Corps stickers. Yeah. More than you see all the other services combined, but it's the smallest service. Why is that? Because there's a psychology to it. If you make something difficult to obtain... Yeah. You'll appreciate it much, much more. We make it hard to be a Marine. You earn it. And when you earn it, you appreciate it. Same thing with life. Hmm. If I give you something, you'll never appreciate it. But if you earn it, it'll give you real value. And that's where we're emasculating the American public by not letting them earn a living instead of trying to give them things. That will never give you happiness. That's a great perspective. And one of the challenges of government, government today wants to bail everybody out of their, their own decisions. That's that can't be helpful. There's no value in that. As a matter of fact, if you want to get into evidence-based uh, society, the, the thing that's going to determine whether your children are successful or not is not their grades, is not what test score they have, but the singular most influential thing is how much responsibility you give your children. Hmm. Do they have chores? Do they have expectations? Uh, do they go to church? You know, the things that make you whole are the things that you, once again, contribute to a family or contribute to society. Those things determine your success rate more than anything else because earn it. Yeah. That's what gives you your value. You know, we've got true enemies from within our culture that are teaching us exactly the opposite of what you're obviously mm -hmm. teaching your children, and that is to be soft and to expect others to do things for you and give it to you. We've also got some real challenges from outside, and I'm thinking specifically, China wants to bring us down, and right now they're doing a pretty good job, and there are countries that are already deciding to move the international currency from the dollar to the Chinese yuan. A lot of Americans say, well, so what? Tell us, what is the so what of that? If you start to destabilize the dollar and start to make the yen, which is a fiat currency, mm -hmm. become a standard in the world, we will definitely become second rate as far as the world power goes. Look at what China's doing all around the world right now. They're established in the Western Hemisphere now. Panama, Chile, Argentina, Look what they're doing in Africa. They have 50 deep water ports that can sustain the biggest aircraft carriers. We have two that can build them. Uh, the things they're doing around the world with this trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars is destabilizing the globe in, in a very, very dangerous way. Congressman, I got to tell you, I find you one of the most refreshing people I've met in politics in a while. It is a delight to have you here. You got to promise you'll come back Absolutely. and visit again because you make sense. You make sense and we need more people who can do that. What a pleasure to have you. It's a blessing. I got to tell you, I've been following you for a very long time. Your daughter also, who's mm -hmm. a wonderful human being and who I really admire. Uh, it is a blessing to be on your show. Thank you so much. God Thank bless. you, Congressman. What an honor. Now, for our audience, you can follow Congressman Rich McCormick on social media and keep up with all the work that he's doing for the people of Georgia and, frankly, for all of us. And those links, as always, you can find at Huckabee.tv. Right this moment, Keith Bilbrey is going to tell you what we have coming up next on the show.
Well, get ready to laugh because the hilarious Cyrus Steele performs next. And later, our very own Music City Connection performs. You're watching Huckabee. Well, no one knows when devastation will strike, and it can often leave us in deep confusion and despair. Our prayers go out to the folks in the southern states who were just horrifically impacted by the recent tornado strike. God is using the volunteers at Samaritan's Purse to be the hands and feet of Jesus by showing up on the ground during this tragic time to offer aid and relief to those who are affected. Now, if you'd like to be a part of this great work, and I hope you do, please consider giving to Samaritan's Purse by going to the Samaritan's Purse website, or you can just call them and do it today. Thanks, and God bless. Well, Savannah native Cyrus Steele is one of America's funniest, clean comics and impressionists. He has appeared on HBO, ABC, Fox's TMZ, and he performs all over the nation on his own and with top comics like Ron White and Hannibal Burris. His dry bar comedy special is called Lazy Eyes Matter. Would you please give a warm welcome to Cyrus Steele. Thank you all so much. Thank you so much. Uh, it is a privilege to be here tonight, such a privilege. And I have to tell you, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Governor Huckabee did lay down the law. He told me, Cyrus, this has to be a clean comedy show. I said, how clean? He said, well, you can't cuss and you can't say anything nasty. So with that being said, y'all have a good night. Thank you. <laughs> kidding, kidding. Uh, no, I, I'm glad to be here. Uh, it's an honor, like I said. Uh, just a little bit about myself. Uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, a New York Knicks fan. <laughs> I just borrowed this from Governor Huckabee, that's all. Uh, no, a, a little bit about myself. I'm, I'm from Savannah, Georgia. And I appreciate the applause for Savannah. Thank you. It's too late. Um, no, I love Savannah, but I like, especially during the summer, I love Savannah, but I hate the hurricane season, especially with the weather we have now. You guys probably relate. Hurricane season is the worst. You know, like I, I, I love I love the summer, but I hate the hurricane season because it's not just the hurricanes. It's the names. The names they give some of these hurricanes are very misleading. Okay, they named some of the, 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 the pandemic, the, the variants, they named them better than they named the hurricanes. Like, remember we got the Omicron, I was like, next is going to be the Decepticons, then Megatron, then Optimus Prime. No, like, we, we had a hurricane named Epsom. That is a very misleading name, because if you tell me Cyrus Epsom is coming, I'm like, cool, let me get the bathwater running. I love Epsom salt. I love Epsom salt. Yeah, a year before that, we had Hurricane Florence. Okay, very misleading, and no offense to anybody named Florence, okay? Please, don't cancel me. I, I love all the Florences, but uh, that's not enough to make me leave my house, okay? Because I don't know who Florence is to you, but to me, Florence is the old lady in the back of the church that gives you peppermints for sitting through the whole sermon. It's not going to make me leave my house. Now, Hurricane OJ, I might pack my bags. I'm just saying, they got to work on the names, and they, they try to scare you. All the news guys, they always try to scare you. They'll send somebody like Al Roker from the Today Show to scare everybody. Be like, we're going to have wind gusts of 56 miles per hour. We're going to have torrential rain, 8 to 9 inches of torrential rain. And that's the weather in your neck of the woods. Back to you. Yeah, then, 
What's funny to me is like right behind Al Roker would be somebody actually from Savannah wearing Bermuda shorts, a Hawaiian shirt, smoking Newports, walking his dog like, yeah, y'all stay inside. It's very dangerous out here. Y'all stay inside. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm scared because they start talking about the eye. They like, watch out for the eye of the hurricane. The most dangerous part is the eye of the hurricane. I'm like 10 years old praying like, Lord, please don't let us get the eye. Let us get the leg or the pinky toe. Please don't let it. If we do get the eye, Lord, let it be a lazy eye. Thank you, Lord. Which I can't speak on because I do have a lazy eye. I'm still talking to you right now. <laughs> it is very frustrating being cross-eyed. Nobody knows who you're talking to. Nobody knows what you're looking at. You know, y'all take stuff for granted, okay? Yeah, I, I remember the, the, the worst situation I got into. I got pulled over, and the officer said, uh, I was ready to, you know, do the whole, you know, walk the straight line, breathalyzer. No, this officer said, follow my finger. <laughs> Long story short, I went to jail that night is what I'm trying to say. Now, it's tough to know what to talk about now, you know? You're doing comedy. It's such a, a PC world now. You, you, it's tough to know. Like, I, first of all, I used to have the best plan, like, uh, like with, with, the, with the terrorism. Nobody really talks about that anymore. Like, remember ISIS? What happened to ISIS? And please don't raise your hand if you know the answer to that question. <laughs> no, I always felt like to get rid of terrorists, I think we need to start letting Liam Neeson answer the phones during the hostage negotiations. <laughs> no, Liam's not afraid. You can see Liam will be on the phone with ISIS. Like, listen to me. I don't have any money. But what I do have is a certain set of skills. What's that? Yes, I can also save you 15% by switching to Geico. <laughs> Think it could work? And if that doesn't work, if that doesn't work, I say we let him have Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah, Jerry would annoy ISIS with a bunch of questions. Be like, hey, what's going on? I mean, what's the deal with ISIS? I mean, who are these people? I mean, Taliban, that's a scary name. Al-Qaeda, that's a scary name. ISIS is basically the word is twice. I mean, who came up with that? And if all else fails, I say we let him have Chris Rock. Yeah, Chris, especially after the year Chris has had. Chris is liable to go off. Be like, everybody's talking about ISIS go get me. Oh, Lord, what is that going to do? ISIS go get me. Hey, is it just me? Is it, is it just me? Or does ISIS sound like Ebonics? Like, ISIS is going to be good today. ISIS is going to be good. Sounds like a line from the movie The Help. I says good, I says kind, I says purdy. I think it worked. And of course, like with this whole pandemic, I'm glad we're getting through up, you know, through all of this. But they, you know, they're probably gonna come out with a movie. And just to save you the Hulu subscription, it'll probably look something like this. The Corona Movie, starring Eddie Murphy as Donkey from Shrek. <laughs> let me tell you, let me tell you something. I'm not scared. I am not scared of no Corona. I wish Corona would come over here. I wish Corona would come over here. But like, yeah, come on over here, Corona. And after I defeat the Corona, after I defeat the Corona, we're going out partying, drinking, and in the morning, I'm making waffles. <laughs> also starring Kevin Hart. Uh, first of all, first of all, don't make me laugh. Don't make me laugh. I told my wife I might get the Corona. She's like, Kevin, Kevin, you can't get Corona, Kevin, because you're too short, Kevin. Too short. I was like... I do get the corona, I'm gonna touch you first. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you touched me. I can't believe you touched me. Also starring Tyler Perry as Medea. Holly, Holly, I need to speak to somebody from the CDC because they're carrying out here. They're not doing the social medicine. They're gonna get the corona. They're gonna get the corona. The Corona Movie, coming soon. Yeah, that'll be out on Netflix. Yeah. I feel like, you know, like it, the, the best leaders always had the best solution. Like if, if Barack was handling it, he'd be like, uh, look, uh, let me be clear. Uh, we are having unilateral uh, talks with the coronavirus every day. As a matter of fact, my good friend Joe Biden, 
Uh, my good friend Joe Biden, uh, he's going to be giving a coronavirus uh, safety speech. I'm sorry, apparently Joe took a wrong turn. He's at a Waffle House giving a coronavirus uh, safety speech. And say what you will, Trump would probably have the boldest idea. Trump would be like, okay, okay. We're totally, we're totally going to get rid of the corona. We're going to do it so bigly that I can tell you. We're going to build a wall around the coronavirus, and we're going to make Mexico pay for it. Thank you all so much. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Oh, man. You crushed it. What a range. What a range of characters. When he started doing Chris Rock, I thought, I'm going to be Will Smith, and I'm going to go over and slap him. I thought that would be perfect. I know you're going to want to see more of the hilarious Cyrus Steele. I certainly do. Here's how to do it. If you visit Huckabee.tv, we will connect you. You ought to invite him to your community, to your convention. Invite him. He will make you laugh. He certainly did us. Right now, Keith, why don't you steal a look at what's next and share it with the rest of us? Be glad to. Up next, New York Post columnist Carol Markowitz takes on woke culture. And later, enjoy the incredible music of our very own Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. Five, four, three, two. Where are you, Master? Well, it's finally here, starting this weekend and exclusively in theaters. TBN is debuting The Journey. It's a musical special from Andrea Bocelli. You're going to follow the world's greatest tenor on a horseback pilgrimage all across the Italian countryside. You'll also be treated to some world-class performances and great conversations with premier voices like Michael W. Smith, Taryn Wells, Tori Kelly, and more. It's a wonderful film that presents the best of music, faith, love, and God's beautiful creation. It's in theaters April the 2nd through the 9th. That's Palm Sunday to Easter Sunday. Go to thejourney.movie and get your tickets quick because they're selling fast. Well, Carol Markowitz is a New York Post columnist who was born in the Soviet Union. She grew up in Brooklyn. Now she lives in the free state of Florida with her husband and three children. She is the co-author of a brand new book, selling tons of copies already, and it's called Stolen Youth, How Radicals Are Erasing Innocence and Indoctrinating a Generation. Carol's here to tell us it's time to go on offense to protect our kids and that the survival of American families, that's what's at stake. We're so glad to have her back. She's been with us before, and it is a pleasure to say welcome back, Carol Markowitz. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. When... When you got the idea of this book, you had some people that were not too keen on publishing it. Yeah. I mean, they were afraid to publish this book. What right. are people afraid of it that you say? 
Well, conservative publishers were afraid that Amazon simply wouldn't sell it. At the time, that was a real concern as Amazon was pulling conservative books off of their, you know, website, and so was Target. And they were worried that if we wrote a book that was controversial, which we don't think it's that controversial, you know, saving our kids from indoctrination didn't seem that controversial to us, they thought that they might not be able to get it on the shelves. If you could just scream out to parents, this is what's happening to your kids. What's the single most important thing they need to know? That their kids are being indoctrinated from a variety of places. It's not just happening in schools. And it is happening in schools. If you live in a red area and you feel secure because your school is conservative mostly or, you know, you think your community is safe, it's not. We're here to tell you that this is happening everywhere. But it's not just happening in schools. It's in the libraries. It's in in the media. It's at your pediatrician's office. It's everywhere. And I think parents need to understand how to protect their children. And we give some steps in the book on how to do that um, and and how to make sure that their kids grow up to be resilient adults. The title is, to me, very provocative, Stolen Youth, because you're really saying these kids' lives are being stolen from them. Uh, They're being forced to believe stuff that their parents are not even aware of. That's right. So how can parents protect their kids? Well, for one thing, I think parents need to lay down the foundation at home. You need to tell your kids what your values are. You need to live those values. There was a Wall Street Journal poll like a week ago that people were shocked by that the numbers of people in the country who believe that patriotism is an important value or religion is an important value has plummeted. Well, it's plummeting because parents aren't telling their kids that this is important. There was another study like a month ago that showed 35% of parents don't care that much about passing on, sorry, Only 35% of parents care about passing on their religious values to their kids. That's a large number of people not talking about religion to their children. You have to be able to say to your kids, this is what we believe, this is what we stand for. And it's not crazy to say you should love your country and honor it. You should follow our religion. We'd love to have some grandkids. This is all normal things that parents used to say to children, and they don't anymore. Do you think parents are afraid of their own kids? Is that what's going on? I think they're afraid of other people and their kids going out into the world and saying, well, my parents say that I I should follow this religion, or my parents believe this, and they think that they are going to get canceled. I mean, my own kids have said, you know, it's kind of jokey things to me where my daughter will say to my seven-year-old son, don't repeat that outside the house. I mean, she's kidding, <laughs> but she's not really kidding. She's a little afraid that he'll go somewhere and say something that might get him in trouble. We are living in a, in a world where these kids are being bombarded with social media. That's, that cannot be helpful yeah. for a child uh, to, to get his or her news from Facebook or Twitter right. or Instagram or Snapchat mm-hmm. or TikTok. Yeah. What do you do to fix that? How do you how do you keep these kids from being overwhelmed with social media nonsense? Well, first of all, you have to be the parent and you have to say no. My kids are not on social media and that's just the way it is. And I'm sorry that, you know, my 13-year-old daughter might eventually have a problem with that, but that we don't allow that in our home and those are our values and we speak our values to our children. I think that's, you know, again, that's the most important part is to explain to the kids why you do the things that you do. Um, So don't let the social media monster swallow up your children. You don't have to. You know, I've heard it compared to like heroin. Well, no, I mean, heroin is, you know, somebody gets a physical addiction. This is you turn off the kid's phone or you take it away and the addiction's (laughs) over. So I, I, I think that parents need to take it seriously and they need to say no. Do you think that uh, we're seeing maybe a turning of the corner? Is there any hope? Because I think a lot of people are just sort of saying, it's over. 
We can't, we can't yeah. take this country back. Right. But I'm hoping that within your book, you're providing some optimism and saying, yeah, we, we could, if enough parents would be parents, we could see this fix. Right. Well, in the book, we do provide optimism. And the major point of optimism is that the majority of the country are not crazy people. They're, it's only yeah. a really small but very loud segment of the population that somehow have managed to control our institutions. You know, we quote the number in the book that only 7% of the country identifies as very liberal. And if you take, like, the really crazy woke stuff, that number gets even smaller and smaller. So when... when Parents are fighting back for their children. They should understand they're part of a wide majority. They just need to be a little bit braver and speaking up and standing up, and other people will join them. We've seen it happen in so many places. We've seen it happen ac across the country. That is an encouraging message. Just tell parents, be who you are. Quit, yeah. quit pretending that these crazy people are the ones who are right. Exactly. They're be the great. ones on the wrong side of history, we, right. we should be saying. Carol, it is great having you. I Thank hope you so people, much. every parent ought to get this book because it's really a terrific insight into how to better understand what's happening to your children and, and confronting it. And maybe grandparents would be good Absolutely. to get this book too. Because they <laughs> might actually they might actually read it and tell their <laughs> kids That's right. what they read. It's a great idea. I think I may do that. Stolen Youth is available right now. And if you want to get your own copy, if you head over to Huckabee.tv, we have links to the book and also how to follow Carol on social media. Keith, I don't know if your youth was stolen. I doubt it. I think you're still in it. But tell us what we have after the break. Yes, you're right. Next up to the plate, Brett Marvel kicks off the baseball season with his faith-based parent film, Running the Bases. Stick around. You're watching Huckabee. Next week for Georgia Congressman Buddy Carter and American Idol Season 5 winner Taylor Hicks. And welcome back. Hey, I think it would be a great time to give Trey Corley and the Music City Connection a big hand for the kind of music that they put out here for us every week. This October 29th through November the 7th, I'm going to be hosting and leading a Mediterranean cruise aboard the Azamara Journey. We're going to be taking the steps of the Apostle Paul and the early church. The beautiful lands of places like Greece, Turkey, and Italy, all on our schedule. And you can sign up right now to go with me, but you better do it quickly. We got cabins now. I don't know how long they'll be there. If you want to go, just simply go to thegreatesttrip.com. That's it and go with me. Well, it's baseball season, which is the perfect time for the wonderful faith-based sports movie called Running the Bases. It's coming to pureflix.com and other streaming platforms. I want you to welcome the star of Running the Bases. He's even in one of our favorite movies around here called Mayberry Man. Please welcome Emmy-winning director, writer, and actor, Brett Varvel. <laughs> Brett, good to have you. Thanks, man. So it's actually Varvel. Varvel, yeah. I was working on that all night, so Varvel, <laughs> not Varvel. But you know what? Whatever 
you had a great movie in Mayberry Man, and this one is another, uh, I think, wonderful family film that people Thank are going to like. Thank you so much. It's it's an honor to be a part of the Mayberry Man. Uh, now it's going to be a series. Uh, Good. But also, Good uh, running the base is just a, a special project to me. You a big baseball fan? Oh, yeah. Grew up playing baseball, uh, played varsity baseball, and now even uh, in my adult years, I'm playing men's fast-pitch softball to stay in the, in the sport. I love it so much, although I got cast as a coach who doesn't play, and I kept bugging the directors every day on set, <laughs> let me play some baseball. I, I can show these people how it's done. Uh, so it was, it was a, a, a blast to be a part of. That is, I, I think the timing of the movie coming out is perfect, because right now, just getting started in the baseball season. Yeah. We have a clip from the film. I don't know if you're going to set it up, but I, I know you need to explain it to us. So <laughs> why don't you tell us what we're going to see? We'll watch it, and then we'll discuss yeah, how so this unfolds. I play a high school baseball coach, and my a lot of my players are getting out of line, and they're not uh, following the rules that I've set in place. And so I, I have an interesting disciplinary uh, rule that I put in place with the film, and you're going to see how that goes here. Let's watch. Coach. Yeah. There are people here. Look look at the stand. They can see us. I can see you, huh? This is so embarrassing. C can I get some backup here? Now, Ryan. Now they can hear you. Let's go. You just had to say something, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I got to know, what's a cowbell? <laughs> you put a cowbell on a guy. Well, there's a following scene that gets even wilder and more funny than that where they got to go to the bathroom. And so uh, it's, it's, an, it's a way to humble them because their pride is getting out of control. And, and uh, it's just a, a clever little uh, comedic thing in the, in the midst of a film that if you go see it, you're going to need to bring some tissues. It's, it's a little bit of a tearjerker. Um, but there are some good comedy moments throughout the film. See, I love movies that make you laugh and then they make you cry. Yeah. It's like a John Candy film, you know? Because <laughs> it covers the whole spectrum right. of emotions. And, and so this one does that. Yeah. I'm not going to ask you to tell me how it does it because then that would ruin the whole film. Well, it's a movie that covers a wide spectrum of things. Everything from loss, uh, unanswered questions, unfulfilled dreams, things that all of us can relate to and, and understand on a personal level. And the, the thing that I love about this movie is that it gives hope. And that hope is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Mm. And uh, my, my character is for, uh, faced with a very tough decision of whether or not he's going to uh, stand, stand firm in his convictions as a follower of Jesus or be silenced by the opposition. Mm. You know, Mark Wahlberg uh, recently said that his own personal Catholic faith, he said it's not popular in Hollywood, but he said he will not deny it, and he, he will not succumb to this pressure to just put that aside. How hard is that, though, in the movie business? I, for me, I, I can't really say that it's been difficult, and I think the reason that I say that is because I'm just very passionate about my faith in Christ. And people either respect me or they don't. Hmm. And I don't answer to them. That's uh, good. So <laughs> for me, it's about being honest. It's about being real. It's about being authentic. And Jesus has changed my life. And I want to present that through the movies that I produce. How refreshing to hear that. So it may have cost you some acting jobs, I'm assuming. Oh, it, it will. Probably had. Yeah. And, and may in the future because Absolutely. you're bold about your faith. But if you're not bold about your faith, 
then you don't have the same level of platform to share it either, do you? Absolutely. In fact, uh, I'm in the midst of post-production right now on a new movie that I, I was blessed to direct and I also act in called Disciples in the Moonlight. Mm. It's a what-if scenario. What would it be like for a Christian in America if the Bible were illegal? And it focuses Whoa. on these seven characters who are trying to smuggle the real Bible to underground churches. And at its core, it's a movie that I hope would challenge people to be confident and bold about their faith. Because if you're not, then you're, maybe you're not really truly a follower of Jesus. And, uh, and, and that's honestly a similar storyline with the movie Running the Bases, which is why I was so passionate about being a part of the project. Because, uh, in fact, there's a, there's a scene in the film that the, the writers gave me some liberty to tweak a few of the lines, and I got to really just pour out my heart on screen. Mm. And, uh, and, and it, for me, I just want people to experience what I have experienced in my life and to, to, to experience freedom and hope from not, not only now, but in eternity as well. Pure Flix is how people can see running the bases. It's, uh, it's out now. Yeah. And uh, if they go to pureflix.com, they'll be able to latch onto the film and stream it and watch it. You know, I'm, I'm grateful for Pure Flix because they have <laughs> produced a wide body of content that families can be comfortable in showing to their families. And Brett, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for your boldness and your faith. Uh, thank you for taking your skills as an actor, director, and writer and using them to the glory of God. And it is an honor to have you here. Well, it's an honor to be here. Thank you so much. Now, if you want to watch the movie Running the Bases on pureflix.com or stream it, if you didn't get all the details of that, we make it simple. Go to Huckabee.tv. We have links that will hook you directly up. And I hope, I truly hope you will see the film. Right now, Keith, we want you to get out your best technique, wind it up, and throw a pitch as to what's coming up next. Uh, you don't want to see that. Get, get ready. Here comes our very favorite, Trey Corley in the Music City Connection, up next on Huckabee. We started tonight's show remembering the victims of the tragedy here in our Nashville community. And we concluded tonight with a special musical tribute presented by Trey Corley and the Music City Connection, reminding us that even in the midst of the worst things imaginable, we are never alone. God is with us. And because he is, it is well with my soul. Thank you.